Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I am your host today, uh, Connor Carrick, uh, is my name, uh, as advertised. NHL defenseman by trade, uh, but today we're going to do a podcast, a solo podcast. Um, I've been promising my producer, uh, Colin Steingart, and myself, I felt like you know, this season sort of deserved uh, a wrap-up. A lot of tumultuous year with everything that happened uh, given, you know, COVID-19 and, and, you know, laying low on the road and, and some of the solo time and um, super grateful for, you know, my family in that regard. I, I really felt for a lot of the young players where, you know, playing in the National Hockey League at a young age is such a rush. There's, there's, there's so much fun to be had and, 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 and sort of beginner's mind everywhere you show up on the road in terms of, you know, for a lot of young players, you've never been to, Los Angeles on a you know business trip before or you know had the excitement of of flying into New York City before playing the Rangers that kind of thing and and really I mean you think about it they had to you know go to the rink every day have the same meetings that that they normally would uh and you know go home and it was really just you know their Xbox and and whatever leftovers they had from the night before I'm sure you know certain guys manage better than others but you know a bit of uh empathy on my end for them I wanted to today talk you know, emotionally a little bit of what, what happened for me this season, performance-wise, um, you know, psychologically. Spent some time, you know, in the minor leagues. Uh, there was a great waiting game there where, and I know it happened a lot around the league uh, with taxi squad players where, you know, they may or may not have gotten, you know, even above a game or two or five. And, and you know, that was definitely a trajectory I was on there for a bit. You know, was it was fortunate enough with the Devils management to find a way to, you know, find some ice time in the American League, which presented its own challenge. So I guess, I guess we'll start there today. To go from you're not having played uh, for a long time off the back of, of the end of last season, it was this perpetual not knowing this uh, sort of style, this, this disorganization in, in training that I hadn't experienced before just because you know normally you kind of know, you project out, you know, if the season started in October, uh, training-wise, these are the phases I want to progress through. Uh, on ice wise, you know, this is usually for me, the order kind of goes, um, uh, skating work first. You know, I want to get what's going on at my, at the steel, at the level of, you know, where the steel hits the ice. I want to get that as clean as possible. And then, you know, do some more skill work, you know, increase some of the conditioning and then increase the game, uh, situation. And then off you go towards your season. And and this off season kind of had, I don't know, it was weird. Like I, I was, you know, sneaking off to go ski with, you know, a good friend of mine in Chicago and, and Matt Ford and, and playing in, you know, games once a week. And, and there were weeks where, you know, for whatever reason, the NHL talks seemed to be heating up and, and I'd be preparing, kind of cramming for the test really was the, was the sensation. So to fast forward and go all the way to, you know, my time with the Binghamton Devils this year, you know, I hadn't played to going to play in the American League, which has a particularly you know, physical style of play. There's a lot of what I consider broken plays, pucks that hit skates. There's a ton of uh, stops and starts in comparison to the National Hockey League, which is more of a get a hunter position and, and getting a, a, a good spot. And then it's sort of a, a waiting game, a cat and mouse game between, you know, whoever's carrying the puck, say I'm defending. And let's say it's it's their left winger oftentimes as the right defenseman is, is sort of my responsibility. I've got to, you know, kind of keep him, uh, and his speed in mind. And then, you know, ideally if I'm in a good spot, I'm able to look, you know, beyond them and kind of read the rush versus you know, the American league is just a little bit more of a sporadic game. It's very physical. A lot of pucks on the wall. You got to fish out, 
So to go from not playing at all to, and admittedly we didn't have a, a great team in Binghamton, uh, to having to defend a lot and play, you know, defense a lot, uh, it w- was extremely difficult physically. Uh, the, the the style of play I was able to have a, a higher level of success just because I you know played at that level for you know quite some time when I was younger and uh, just experience wise you know I I kind of knew where I stacked up every night you know in terms of being one of the higher end guys and and was able to it re- it really became an asset for me towards the end of the season where I did get you know my NHL opportunity that you know I, I had faith was coming but you know there was no question that. Um, I guess I can't lie. There was there was certainly some doubt as to how that was going to progress uh, and whether it was going to be, you know, for the Devils or elsewhere. I know, you know, NHL-wise, there wasn't a lot of movement this year. You know, and being a guy with the salary that I had, with the lack of play that I'd had, I knew it was going to be tough when I was in the American League. Now, couple that with, you know, mentally, that was a lot. You know, uh, I, I relished the opportunity to be a leader. I think that's something as an older brother of three boys, I really always enjoyed talking the game and sharing the game with younger players. And that was something I had an opportunity to do there. You know, Kevin Ball and I, I thought, you know, played really, really well uh, there. And, and again, a little bit in the NHL, we weren't par- partners for long. I played mostly with Will Butcher at the end of the season. You know, Graham Clark was another, you know, fun guy to work with. We'd worked with similar off-ice consultants and, and kind of bonded over our experience with that. And, and uh, you know, really enjoyed that challenge for what it was. I guess the way I'm putting it is that I knew it was a challenge at the time. Even at home for me, you know, with the baby, I was able with, with Charlie, man, I was getting up a lot, you know, in the middle of the night to, to help feed him and help Lexi with, you know, cleaning bottles and that kind of thing. And, you know, she was a, a, a warrior and a, and a champ all season and her support and what I was going through being demanding, but I also knew as a new mom, uh, Lexi was tired. You know, th- there's the, the <laughs> these babies literally, you know, suck the life out of their mom in terms of it's what gives them life. But, you know, if energy is neither created nor destroyed, it's kind of, it's kind of a one-way exchange. Most of the time you're facilitating the growth of, of this baby and it takes a lot out of the moms. And and so I had so much respect for what Lexi was going through, but at the same time, from a sports science standpoint, I guess it was a a case study and, you know, what it's like to go from uh, playing zero minutes to playing, you know, some nights it looked like, you know, I'd get my shifts and things like that from the Devils use, uh, like that Sport Logic app. I'd get the emails and it'd be like, you know, 31 minutes of ice time on top of, you know, I was getting up every, you know, couple hours with Charlie. And, and people would ask me throughout the season, I get Instagram direct messages and stuff. What was it like, you know, being a parent? What's it like, uh, you know, getting up with Charlie and that kind of thing? Because it was kind of well known that I was doing that. And I would joke, it's like having an early flight. Uh, where you, you kind of get that uneasy stomach and you, you're, you part of you kind of wants to just get up for the day, but you're not sure because the other part of you is, you know, frankly quite tired. And uh, it was like having three to five of those a night. And so that was, that was a unique uh, experience. Another thing I wanted to talk about today that I was particularly proud of uh, from a family sense was I, I feel we settled in despite the adversity of the year. I had, you know, multiple sort of COVID um, quarantines in my own house, the call up, the send down. Lexi and I did a really good job communicating about what each other's needs were. You know, for example, at the end of the season, I just, I just said, Hey, um, summer's coming soon. I'll be up all hours of the clock on call, whatever you need. 
whatever Charlie needs. But for now, this is a this is a precious opportunity that I'd waited all season for, and frankly, all off season. I need to throw everything at the wall uh, that I can, and and you know show my best. I I was waiting in the weeds for this, and I desperately wanted it. Now I've got it, and I want to make sure that on my end, preparation wise and execution wise, uh, I'm able to you know be the best version of myself out there. I mean, I mean, it, and and of course. You know, life is what happens when you're make when you're busy making other plans, right? I'm not sure who said it, but it sounds true. It feels true. Uh, even my first game against the Rangers this year, you know, Lindy Ruff came up to me uh, that morning, the day before. I think I was the eighth defenseman on the depth chart, and so you go home that night, you have dinner, you kind of think to yourself, yeah, the, the lineup will be posted tomorrow, uh, but I kind of have an idea of how this is going to go. Well, I show up the next day, and I mean, I just felt like I was a punching bag all night. For whatever reason, uh, we had a we had a tough night with Charlie, and I just felt zonked, almost like, almost if I was hung over or something like like just bad brain fog. Zip was not there at all. I got up, I did you know some of my red uh, red light therapy with the Wave is the company that I use, and uh, I found that to be extremely helpful amongst all the other things that I normally use from a, a sort of a biohacking or, or physical wellness standpoint. And I figured to myself, I'm like, all right, I just got to go to pregame skate. You know, there'll, there'll probably be a little bag skate at the end. Just suck it up for an hour uh, and you can take a nap this afternoon and eventually, you know, go watch the game. And then Lindy comes in and catches me during breakfast and, you know, says, hey, Connor, I forget what the circumstance was. You know, who was out, who was sick, who got tested for, uh, you know, tested positive or whatever. And goes, I actually really appreciated his delivery. Um, despite having you know, a relationship where I hadn't played much for him to date. So I was obviously unhappy about that. I, I respected the circumstance, uh, but every pro hockey player, myself included, wants to play. And he goes, hey, Connor, call me Karis. Karis, you're in tonight. I'm, I'm, we're really excited for you. You know, do well. You've, you've handled everything, you know, tremendously well as a professional. We've seen your hard work every day, which I, which I did. I, I admit, I was, I was really proud of my preparation and Travis Zajac was a huge part of that. Uh, we both were, you know, Adam Oates' clients at the time and and kind of bonded over that. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov was another guy that helped me stay sharp. I talked to Johnny Hayden from another organization. Uh, Kevin Rooney and I would talk all the time just about you know, how to stay sharp. And so anyway, to wrap it up, Lindy goes, uh, you know, Charlie's going to get to see you play tonight. Because I think Charlie was maybe two or three weeks old, if that, at the time. And that to me was extremely special. And that was a road game. And I knew that, you know, he, uh, Charlie was going to physically be in the building, but just the fact that he was going to be at home, uh, able to catch it was super emotional for me, I think as a dad. And this was something that was on my mind a lot uh, this season is because people would ask me and even family members would ask me, what's it like being a dad? What's different? And the answer is, you know, not that much, I suppose. Our, our daily life is is mostly the same. We don't go out to dinner and things like that the way we used to. We don't, um, you know, we, we say no to a lot more social events and, and things like that. And that's, that's you know, fine. That's neither here nor there. I, it's not really a a huge driver for me. Lexi's a little bit more social than I am. You know, it was something that was on my mind a lot as a dad was, you know, I wouldn't want Charlie to do things right uh, most of the time. Right, because as a father, my advice would be, you know, son, I, I love you to pieces. But in terms of 
being your best every day, like you, it's an everyday thing. And that's our expectation as a family. And that's what I think your responsibility is, is as, as a person to, you know, honor your gifts and honor you know, the opportunities that you have, the sacrifice that other people make on your behalf, uh, just your general responsibility to bring something to the community every day, your, whether that's a team, the, your workplace, your school setting, it, doing your best isn't necessarily something negotiable. Now, maybe certain days your best isn't as high, as close to your ceiling as other days. Uh, that's human nature, human physiology. You're going to have good days and bad days. I understand that. Uh, but your approach in terms of trying to be your very best is it's, it's who we're going to be as a family. It's, it's, I guess it kind of comes with the last name in my opinion. And, and I know uh, Charlie's not going to get catch any slack from his mom either. You know, we're people of, you know, we're our, we hold our values close uh, to the heart. And so this was, you know, kind of something that I, I was able to call upon during tough times this season, you know, whether it was, you know, in the second period, we're on the road playing Wilkes-Barre, you know, it feels a hell of a long way away uh, from where I felt I should be playing the National Hockey League and you do your best. And, and, you know, maybe you wore a block shot and that kind of thing. Uh, you're hurt, you know, the day after you're hurt. And the answer was, again, to come back and do your best. And there was something about becoming a dad that, that just became so much more available. Like, of course, this was a standard that I'd, I'd like to say I've always upheld and, and, and valued as important to me. Uh, but there's something about the reminder that I'm setting an example that my son will see or know either through word of mouth or everything's on video nowadays or hockey DB, whatever. If Charlie wants to know, you know, who his dad uh, is and was, there's, there's just so much information available. And I, and I wanted that to be something I could be proud of um, as an example, not from uh, an ego perspective or that I wanted my son to think that I'm merely Mew because I'm not, but there are just certain, I guess, human principles that eventually, you know, Charlie and I are going to have a conversation over, you know, for, for now it's, it's mostly uh, bobbing our head to, you know, Bruno Mars songs on the carpet while we do tummy time. But, you know, someday we're going to have these conversations father to son. And I wanted to have a leg to stand on. So that kind of, in my mind, transitions me to, and I guess let me highlight that Rangers game real quick before I go on to the skip, you know, sort of the American League stint, because I think I talked about that to the end of the season, which is a little bit fresher to, uh, on my mind to speak of. To have not played as long as I did, and, and Lindy told me I played well, Elaine uh, Nazardine, you know, told me I played well after, and I knew it, but, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, you have bosses and you want to make your bosses happy you know in the, in the sport of hockey you want to create trust with them because eventually they're they're the gatekeepers they're the ones that are going to you know give you a, a jersey on game day and and call your name to go over the boards i had played you know really well and i mentioned zajac kulikov and there were other guys uh where we really did everything we could despite the condensed schedule to protect our talent and, and take responsibility for our own development i think it's very easy in an NHL season with the limited practice time uh, with, you know, a coach having to manage all players on the roster uh, day in, day out, it's easy to just kind of check out and get off the ice um, you know, when the group gets done. But there's a lot of plays just in a team structure that you kind of can't 
continue to practice, continue to work on it. And especially if you're out of the lineup, uh, you're going to, you're going to suffer the, uh, the consequences when you get back in, if you're unable to, you know, sort of manufacture that, that game day intensity, at least, you know, a couple times, say for example, each and every week, um, on top of, and in face of, uh, the bag skating, things like that, which I've always, you know, personally, I, I've, I've been in the depths of NHL lineups. I've seen what it's done to other players games. Um, I've always not necessarily, uh, been a fan, not from a, a physical standpoint. I have no issue. I have a good relationship with doing hard things physically. Uh, it doesn't really scare me. It doesn't mean it feels good in your legs when you got the poison going and, and your lungs are breathing heavy. I just don't like thing, doing things that, you know, frankly, make me feel slower as a skater um, and don't help translate to the NHL skill set. Right? Like, I've never seen an NHL game uh, where guys have just, you know, gone up and down the ice, you know, Herb Brooks 60-second style um, or, you know, done multiple laps. I understand that, you know, sort of the, the cardio training has its place. I just never understood for guys, you know, what you're missing as a depth player when you're not playing is, you know, game reps where you've got to pass through sticks, where you've got to make reads, where you've got to catch ugly pucks, uh, you know, because NHL practice is just so polished and perfect and everything's on the tape. That's not a real reflection of a game. And I think that, at least in my own career, I've always tried to go find that and create it on my own. And so I was extremely proud of that Rangers game and, and, and fully ready for that to be my only NHL game of the season, the way things were going, because I, I'm not sure people outside of pro hockey would recognize how hard it is to play a game against players that are already on the full-blown NHL circuit. They're playing every other night. Their game's sharp. Their game's fresh. Their game's tested. Uh, and I hadn't played a game since training camp, you know, maybe six, eight weeks prior, which was, you know, sort of a fake inter-squad hockey. It's never the same as playing another club. And I had played really well. I had seen other guys, you know, whether it was guys that come off injury this year, uh, for the Devils even, or, you know, ac across the league that, you know, other guys that I'd watch, you know, frankly, not fair as well. And that was, to me, a testament to all the uh, mental work that I've done, all of the uh, lessons, frankly, I've even learned here, you know, on the on the podcast, kind of was channeling a little bit of Randy Hetrick where he's talking about, you know, going through buds as a Navy SEAL, just focus on the next 10 feet in front of you. You know, instead of trying to play an entire uh, good game, I just, you know, really was able to, think one shift at a time. And that's not something that always came as naturally uh, to someone like myself. So I guess I wanted to get on the air and officially pat myself on the back and then go through the American League stint, you know, play very well, felt very comfortable at that uh, level. You know, it was going to get all the opportunity being an NHL guy. And I did so much about, you know, having success in pro hockey is the opportunity. If you ask any athlete uh, that's played at this level, they don't, they know that. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll admit that. And that's why there is so much respect for the guys that kind of are able to get through the meatloaf and, and, and create a little, uh, stable base to build their career off of, um, you know, minus the, the really upper echelon guys at, at, at the next tier of player, it's, it's extremely tight. It's extremely tight and, and team preference and coaching preference, you know, always, uh, will play a role as it should. That's what they're hired to do is, is provide their hockey opinion. Um, and so anyway, I was, I was a little bit on the outside looking at the NHL level, but you know, the, the American league, you know, put me in a very favorable situation. So I was able to really get my conditioning up, really get my reads up, uh, get used to the physicality, um, of getting, getting hit. But with that said, the NHL game is extremely different. It's so much more poised. It's so much more sneaky. Um, 
the, the puck plays just so much better in the AHL. You kind of just get the puck back. Uh, you can turn a puck over, you know, a lot of times I'll end up, you know, in the stands with a missed, you know, net, uh, shot opportunity, or they'll turn it over back to you versus in the NHL. Like you've got to go and get the puck from somebody. The puck just doesn't find its way back to you, uh, nearly as easily. So to come back and play against, you know, Pittsburgh, we played, we started those three games on the road, uh, was particularly tough. That was, and, and we've seen in the NHL playoffs now, like that was a team ready to rock, Prime to play some serious hockey uh, with a veteran status of or a veteran leadership that was not going to let their game slip towards the end of the season. Like sometimes you'll see uh, teams that have have secured a playoff position. It was it was really impressive and <laughs> what an opportunity. It, it really was something that you know earlier in my career. I remember I'd played for uh, you know Mike Babcock with the Leafs, for example, was particularly. Um, he, he was particularly picky about his matchups, right? So he didn't care where you were on the ice. If, if he had a matchup at a particular time and Crosby kind of came off the, over, uh, over the boards, your shift essentially ended and you were doing anything you could to, you know, get off the ice uh, per the coach's orders, which, which puts not only the player on the ice in a tough spot, uh, but also the guy, you know, coming on uh, to take the matchup. So, you know, it, this time around, we kind of had a little bit more of a green light from the staff to, you know, sure we had our matchups that we wanted, but being on the road at some point, you're going to have to play against our best players and you, you've got to be able to do well. And I was really proud of, you know, the way that I was able to play uh, initially in those Pittsburgh games. And then definitely towards the end, uh, really happy with, you know, sort of the way I was able to play better, even uh, with like the little odd little series, just the way the years went with against Philly I had a block that, you know, I would say that was one of the highlights in my entire hockey career. We're playing Philly. We're in the second period um, on the road. And I wish it was at home in front of, you know, thousands and thousands of Devils fans. That would have been unbelievable. But so there, there's this huge scramble. Where they've got us entirely pinned. There's like 15 guys in the crease. You know, Mackenzie Blackwood, um, you know, is trying to find a puck. Miles Woods behind me. And for whatever reason, uh, Provorov... Uh, for Philly, whose game I really like, makes this, you know, behind the back D to D, just to give you an idea of the, of the play, uh, behind the back D to D pass at the offensive hash mark to Justin Braun. And I, I kind of lock eyes with him. Wanted to close the ground uh, so the puck didn't have as much time to accelerate into me and just launch myself in some capacity that was hopefully going to protect my face. And, and I get this, this great block and it might have saved a goal, may, have, may you know, may not have, but it was more so that's what you miss when you're outside the lineup. For sure. You miss being on compete for sure. You want to play, but it's, it's the camaraderie that, and even the criticism that comes from teammates over the course of doing things together, uh, you know, towards a, a common goal. Um, so we were obviously out of a playoff spot at that time, but this, at, at the same token, we were able to string together a stretch where we'd won, you know, five out of six games, every player in the devil's lineup at that point, you know, still had something to prove. A lot of us playing were either fringe guys most of the year or younger players looking for more ice time the next season or, you know, some of the guys, say, for example, like, uh, you know, Ty Smith, who had a strong year um, until he got hurt. And, you know, Jack Hughes, who is, you know, much better in his second year than his first. They still wanted to, you know, or, or uh, Sharon Govich, you know, who had, you know, quite a few goals this year. Like those guys still wanted to put an exclamation mark on their good season. So everyone was was motivated. But this block in particular... I remember 
screwing around with Ryan Murray, who I got along with great this season. And, you know, Nate Bastion, who's one of my stallmates and one of my, you know, favorite guys I've played with. Just them pumping my tires on the bus about how wild this block was and how crazy it was. Uh, and I ended up getting another block right after. It's, it's, the sh- it's the show. I'm telling the story not to toot my own horn, which, yes, I'm doing, but it's more so to celebrate the fun of the game that you miss uh, when you're out of the lineup. The, the mutual respect of, you know, hey, I'm trying to make plays. I'm trying to make the game easier uh, for my teammate and my teammates, you know, working his nuts off to do the same uh, for me. And it's that mutual working towards a common goal that's so special. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd, if I'd rank another team sport beyond hockey, just how fluid it is, how many different aspects of the game you've got to be good at. Um, so in terms of when I came back to that bench and it was, it was right at the end of the period, so we were kind of able to celebrate about it all, you know, uh, intermission long, and we eventually won that game. That was one of the highlights of my year for sure, uh, but just in terms of like something I'll remember when I'm done playing uh, was, was one of the more fun times and, and, and plays that I've, I've really had. And uh, was there a bit of nerves when I was coming, back, coming out on this puck like point blank that I was going to wear this in a spot that, I don't know, wasn't going to feel so hot the next day or, or worse, even injure me for, for a bit? Yeah, I don't think you... I don't think you're unconscious of that fact uh, that that's a risk. Um, but at the same time, you know, the aggressiveness I was able to have in coming out and pursuing the angle that I wanted, um, I think actually protected me against, you know, sometimes when you try to get out of the way or you, you get nervous, you know, when, it, when a shot's coming your way, you end up getting clipped in a bad spot. Another thing that I, I really took a lot of pride in towards the end of the season was, I felt that Will Butcher and I, you know, play a similar game. I think we're, we're a little bit different um, in sort of our makeup and physicality and the way that we defend. Uh, but puck wise, like we, I think we break out similarly and we like to use each other a lot and it, it helped us, you know, we both, I think play a very efficient, you know, breakout uh, game. And so Lindy rough and, and I know he's pretty private with the media and stuff. Um, you know, so I, I, I try to, respect the you know player coach sort of relationship uh, but as a as a positive thing that he said to me you know you know down the stretch was you know Connor you're, you're playing great and um, you, know, you got to be you know real proud of your of your execution and you know the quote that he said that I was I was most proud of was he's like we look like a real hockey team with you out there like the the pace of the game the structure of our team is good uh, the puck arrives when guys you know are, are ready for it and want it uh, it's it's clean when you make your play and that sort of efficiency and sharpness is something that I've always taken uh, great pride in as a player and have, have worked on purposefully. Like I've never had, you know, the McDavid top speed or, or I'm never going to be this, you know, tree of a defenseman in terms of size and things like that. So, you know, the little detail plays, the, the rhythm of the game, the gap, uh, the ability to deny entry, the ability to pluck the puck off the wall and, and get it to good, you know, low forwards in the middle so that, you know, their D can't pinch down on the wall. That's my bread and butter. And it was really cool to be recognized by, you know, coach who, let's call it what it is, for most of the year, you know, didn't use me in a way that communicated he believed I could help the team, you know, win at that time. And so that was something that, you know, I was extremely proud of, you know, in the Philly series particularly, 
you know, it was a rush team. Uh, it was another team with little to play for at the end of the season in terms of standing. So those are sometimes sneaky games to play in. And then, you know, again, University Islanders where I eventually played my final games. Uh, I just felt really proud of sort of the stepping stone going into next season, whatever that looks like. And I guess that's what I'm trying to communicate today is there in the present moment where we are always doing things that at a later date we'll have an opportunity to reflect on. And I wanted to, at the end of the season, very consciously make sure that the Connor of today, the Connor of May, what's the date today? May 22nd would have something uh, to build off of, to be proud of, you know, all summer long. It's going to be a long summer, a long off season. And you want to throw your stake in the ground and, and be able to show the league always. You're trying out always. Someone's always watching. Uh, you know, my dad's taught me that from a young age and it's absolutely true. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was making the game easier for the other four guys on the ice. And, and, and frankly, when they had the puck, I, you know, same thing. I want to make sure I was an out. I wanted to make sure I was in the right spot defensively and communicating so that they knew what was going on. Uh, and I think it showed. I think we were able to play, you know, some good hockey as a group and with me on the ice. And so maybe this is my uh, unsolicited ad, you know, going into free agency, which I've never done before. I've always been, you know, restricted free agent and qualified by the club I was with. Uh, so this is, you know, there's no real handbook on emotionally how to handle it. But similar to last offseason, I'm going to do, you know, what I did, which is... I'm going to try to pursue marginal gains and, and maybe I'm transitioning here to, you know, some of the summer plans. So I'm going to work with uh, Ian Mack out of Chicago with Tomahawk Science. Uh, we've had a spectacular relationship the last couple of years. Last year was a little bit uh, different just with, you know, everything that was going on and the way, you know, the gym scene was in Chicago. I, I, I felt for him, uh, you know, and, and really all the trainers in that industry try, having to navigate that. Uh, Lexi was pregnant at the time, so it was, it was certainly an uncertain time. I was going to the gym, you know, training with a mask on, you know, sweating through it, trying to change to a second one, a third one. Uh, it just wasn't, a f it wasn't fun, frankly. So this offseason, I'm really looking forward to, you know, kind of getting after things the, the way I, I normally would with all the open-mindedness that uh, the reflection of last offseason offered. So with Ian and I, we're going to have a conversation around what our goals are, uh, with the baby and the ice time this year, I admit that, you know, for the first time in my career, I'd had uh, some back pain and I'd always been really religious in my ability to kind of recover post uh, practice and game and things like that. But because of the, you know, Charlie at home, I was just, I, I was much more cognizant in getting home quicker um, and that kind of thing, uh, just so I could be around the house. And I, I did feel, uh, you know, some, hip tightness that I, I hadn't had earlier in my career because I've never missed a game uh, to like a soft tissue, non-contact injury that way. And I, I didn't this year as well. Um, but it was kind of a cool lesson that like, hey, Connor, all the work that you do uh, day in, day out does add up and does work. And on the other side of it, if you want to leave it for an extended period of time, you know, there is going to be some stiffness that kind of sets in. I think a lot of that had to do with you know, the jump, right, from going, you know, playing no minutes to playing, you know, 32 and, and you know, 29 on a consistent basis, back-to-back -back games on the road. We would, you know, for example, bust a Hershey, you know, bust back, bust a Wilkes-Barre the next day, whereas previous years that might have been, you know, stay over in a hotel, that kind of thing. And then on the hockey side, you know, trying to talk to a group of friends about 
trying to talk to Brian Keane, who I use a lot in Chicago uh, with Prodigy Hockey, just about you know some of the video work that we did this season, some some patterns. Uh, we didn't do necessarily individual video work this season, but we have in the past. Uh, but we'll go over you know some individual plays and things like that, uh, mindset things that uh, we can work on you know earlier in the summer, later in the summer, you know kind of come up with a progression plan and things like that. And I'm a big believer that discipline and scheduling kind of allows for freedom, right? And so this is something I've talked a lot with Peter Russo about, uh, who's a hockey mind that I've really come to know and love, personal friend uh, that I've, I've come to know and love by, by ways of uh, John Hayden had introduced us. You know, we talk about it a lot where, you know, sort of play and, and self-discovery with the game gets lost in, you know, the drills and sets and reps sort of scheme uh, that's so dominant in pro hockey, everything's got to have a point. Everything's got to have a direct point. All we've got to do is uh, work on this particular play, which I get. Really, what I found in the end of the season, this is something I, I channeled extremely well, is there are certain sort of guiding uh, principles and, and, and feelings in your body that allow your brain and your, and, and your game uh, to do what they do. It, it, they allow you to do the calculus and make the decisions because you can't work on every play all the time. Every play is particularly unique. It's against a different player with a different reach and the speed off the puck's different and this guy's changing. Uh, you're at this point in your shift. So it, no play is exactly the same. There's definitely high event uh, situations and, and you know Daryl Belfry's work is very famous in that, identifying sort of uh, KPIs like key performance indicators or, you know, what are the areas of the ice that offer the best ROI return on investment if improved. Um, and this is something Russo and I would talk about, but also there's sort of a, a, a mind state, a state of flow that comes from certain little cues. And so, you know, he and I are going to sit together and, and he's out of Boston. So either I'll go there and I, I want to see the Super Coffee team. I know they, they have a base, uh, sort of a headquarters out of Boston, so I can, you know, go after a couple birds with one stone that way. Or I want to do, you know, sort of a, a super camp of fellow, I'll trade market, curious competitors, say in Chicago or even uh, another location. At, like similar to how um, I think Crosby was famous for it, having the, the group in Vail, you know, with McKinnon and those guys, with, you know, Andy O'Brien and their group. You know, Daryl's done his thing in Florida, which I was lucky enough to be invited to uh, a couple off seasons ago. I was training with uh, Patrick Kane in Chicago, and he he'd kind of asked me, you know, if I knew about this and wanted to go, and and that was an awesome event. Um, so either you know I, I'm looking into something like that to prep for the season right before, or decided to kind of do my own thing if I can um, ask around, you know, some other uh, high end players and and practitioners and. And actually uh, get our own group, maybe bring, you know, when I think of talent to bring to the event, for example, I think Peter Russo would do a great job. Um, would love to set up, you know, some small ice games. Would love to either, uh, I don't know if I've had him on the podcast yet, but Avi Greenberg, you know, does breath coach uh, work and, and sort of the XBT, uh, Laird Hamilton model. He's familiar, Lisa Haggerty, who uh, I've had on the podcast where we've banked the episode, but I haven't released it yet for uh, reasons that she's asked me to. Uh, I think she would do great uh, emotional intelligence work, emotional agility. I think that there are, as players, you're always, you've got to execute on what's standard for the game, right? Uh, 10 years ago, that was, or maybe even 15, that was kind of like the strength and conditioning side, right? Everyone all of a sudden was hiring their trainer and coming in, you know, bigger, faster, stronger than they ever had. And then, uh, you know, when scoring went way down, uh, players sort of, the, you know, the Daryl Belfries of the world, the Brian Keens, the Adam Oates, the, you know, Peter Russo's, the 
Adam Nicholson's players started to get more creative in, in their own personal consulting and how can I score more and, and, and why are pucks not going in for me uh, and doing that kind of thing. I think there's a new wave coming. There always is. Um, you know, I think even, you know, with the way that uh, younger players, for example, handle and shoot the puck, I think that's something like you, you can see, you know, Trevor Zegers does things, you know, at the world junior level that uh, Miles Coolis and I, uh, who I play with at the U.S. development team, we're joking, texting. We're like, what are these guys doing? I remember we played for Danton Cole. I uh, was at Michigan State. Now we used to have an, a, a strict no backhand passes rule. You're not allowed to handle the puck or let the puck touch your backhand uh, in practice. And now I'm watching, you know, Trevor Zegers go, you know, backhand toe drag, like ski ramp off the skinny part of his blade. Uh, <laughs> I think like I, I'm, I'm finally that older player that's looking around and going, wow, um, the game's changed. And I love it. I, it's, it's absolutely for the better just as a professional who, you know, this is how I, I, you know, on one hand feed my family, but it's also a great source of competitive fun for me. Um, it's a new puzzle and it's always changing. So this is a very reflective time about trying to schedule forward. Uh, where do I want to be and when, um, you know, culturally, how can I set up more and more time with people that I think will facilitate for sure, like uh, purposeful growth, right? Uh, the target seeks Sierra, as you know, Matthew McConaughey and, and Greenlights might say. Uh, but at the same time, there's there's always a bit of uh, learning that goes on in in circumstances where you wouldn't normally uh, expect. There are conversations that just spark up because you're at lunch together, because you're you know lacing them up in a locker room together. Um, and I'm so off the back of a of a disciplined plan and a schedule can come some of these uh, freer times, these more experimental times, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and then of course, I can't tip all my cards. It's a, it's a competitive game. Uh, there are a couple uh, secret projects that I'm, I'm looking to uh, take on just in terms of competitively. I, I, I think I have some ideas that might be uh, a little new wave. And of course, the game is what it is. It's still five guys on each side and the puck weighs the same. So you don't want to reinvent the wheel every summer. I think, you know, for example, a player I was around uh, in Andy Green, you know, he's not a stick tinkerer. He's not, um, you know, someone who's looking for the latest and greatest diet or, or you know, trying to reinvent himself at, you know, however old he is. Uh, now he's been in the league forever. He's a player that you could kind of tell in his approach because uh, I was around him a little bit in New Jersey when I'd moved here early uh, prior to the season last year. He was trying to be exactly who he was. Um, and, and I think that that personal consistency, right? Everything's uh, sort of a reflection from the inside out. You got the sense that his approach and his preparation was so consistent and that allows for his game, right? You've seen, I've, I've been this guy where preseason, uh, you, can, you can see the busyness. You can see that uh, a player trying to change their profile, change their skate blade, change their curve, whatever, in pursuit of 1% better, uh, but sometimes that's not being true to the player that you really are. So it's this blend, right? You're always trying to rewire the nervous system for every play you can you can improve to, to be the very best that you are, but at the same time, um, you, you can't chase becoming something uh, you're entirely not. So I'm not sure if that necessarily uh, offers any fantastic answers uh, but I think what's more important at this point in the offseason is actually just to ask uh, better questions. What are my goals? Who can help me uh, pursue those goals? Who else 
uh, has achieved these goals prior to that I would really like to talk to. For example, I, I, I I think it was a Matt Nickel on Twitter who I have a lot of respect for and and have talked to a lot of his clients, love him to death. I think he retweeted it. It was a a Marty St. Louis uh, tweet. It was kind of the original, um, gritty skill guy that was, you know, brutally undersized, but went on to have a tremendously successful career and a, and a hall of fame career. And he had a quote. He was like, you know, I wasn't sure if I was, you know, particularly exceptional at anything other than, you know, getting better at things. And I think that that's something that I hold close to my heart and I'm looking to, you know, really put on display this season because I, and we're on the air. So, you know, this is as, as, as permanent as it is, as long as it's replayable and, and on, you know, Apple podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast, I truly believe I've played to 30 to 40% of my NHL potential to date, which is awesome because I've, I've gotten a Jersey still, I've gotten multiple contracts, but offensively, I think that I, I, even though we didn't get many looks just because we weren't uh, a high end uh, puck possession team at the end of the year, I was able to do some things that I felt had been in my game for a long time. And uh, now that the, now that I, I know I'm capable of the opportunity, the, the, the challenge is to do it more often. And then defensively, there was just a calmness and a steadiness, you know, that I thought I could really build off of. So with all that said, my alarm's starting to go off uh, for Charlie Mann uh, to feed uh, this podcast was a little was equal parts for you and, and for me to kind of verbally digest the season and, and, and spill out some of my goals for the year with no guests to keep me honest. I'm, I apologize for the us. I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. This podcasting thing, it's, it's not as easy as you'd think. I almost did it again. So with all that said, uh, I look forward to uh, sharing, you know, sort of how the summer's going and, and, and checking in. I'm going to have a couple podcasts with either uh, hockey coaches that I'm working with to, to talk about some of our, our work together and, and how we're going about it so we can, we can show our cards a little that way. Uh, I look forward to having Ian Mack on. I haven't had him on yet because I wanted to do it in person and just with the way things were going last year and, and you know, uh, the pandemic and all that, we weren't able to do it. Uh, I'm going to have Roland Pankowicz back on who's handling uh, my nutrition and we're going to go over, I'm doing some labs and things like that, uh, just to, to get a picture of what's under the hood with the body, uh, prior to the season and, and, and talk a little bit about, you know, how we're going about, uh, rebuilding the engine for next year. I don't know, a lot of fun and any suggestions continue to direct message me either at the uh, curious competitor account on Instagram, Colin and I check that quite a bit, uh, or my personal account at Connor Carrick. Uh, so thank you everyone uh, for joining me this week. Uh, on our journey to become a more curious competitor.